with colostrum. So you have this natural superfood that's basically giving your body all of the raw ingredients to rebuild and repair all layers of that mucosal barrier. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 122 of the Biohacker Babes. I am Lauren, tuning in from Maryland today. My dog, Rudy, is behind me making all kinds of weird noises. And I am joined by my sister, Renee. Hello. Hey there. Hello from (laughs) Las Vegas. And hi to Rudy. Hi, buddy. (laughs) Oh, gosh. He is the noise machine. We just wrapped up this amazing interview with Dr. Sarah Rahal. And Rudy definitely was streaming and making some crazy noises. So hopefully you don't hear too much of that. I couldn't hear him today. Okay. So we're bringing on Dr. Ray Hall for you today. She is so awesome. She has started this company called Armra, which is a colostrum supplement. This is a food that we all need. And if you are immediately thinking that's dairy, I can't have that. Listen, she is going to break down a lot of the myths about colostrum. And I even mentioned that Netflix documentary called Unwell. I don't know if anyone has seen it, but it was like a series of episodes that kind of went into different trendy health topics. And one of the episodes was about these men in the gym bulking up with breast milk. And it was just this ridiculous expose on colostrum. So if you saw that, let's reset, have an open mind because Dr. Rahal is really going to talk about colostrum, where it comes from, how they produce it, what it's doing for our health, how it's potentially helping with this health epidemic. So much great information. She blew my mind. And Renee, what do you think? Well, first of all, Dr. Rahal is just amazing. She's so sweet and filled with so much information. I was over here like scribbling down notes the whole time. I learned so much from her, especially about the mucosal barriers. Oh my gosh. It's so fascinating. I'm a huge fan of colostrum. It's one of those things where I've kind of taken it for a couple months and then I take a break and I always feel better when I'm taking it. It is one of those few nutrients that I can feel a difference when I have it and don't have it. And I'm not currently doing raw dairy. So I definitely need to be taking this on a daily basis. I just ran out and I can't wait to get more. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, this it, the, really the benefits are systemic. And if we're talking about root cause, this really is going to the root of what potentially is hurting our gut health. So this is really about gut health, which means this is really about immune health and really about our overall health and longevity. So and brain health <laughs> and brain health. It's a powerful Everything. one. So really excited to bring this to you. A little bit more about about Dr. Rahal. She is a double board certified pediatric neurologist, board certified headache specialist, and also trained in functional medicine and environmental health. She trained at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in New York and previously was assistant professor of neurology and pediatrics at ICANN School of Medicine at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York, where she ran the pediatric headache program and also sat on the board of the National Headache Foundation. Currently, she is the founder and CEO of Armra, a consumer health company that harnesses the power of bioactives from the natural superfood colostrum to develop solutions that address the modern root causes that threaten health. Oh my gosh, she said it, the modern root causes that threaten health. That is exactly what we were talking about. And all right, colostrum 101, everything you wanted to learn and more, let's do it. Welcome, Dr. Rahal, to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. We're so excited. So you are a woman on a mission. You're talking about a really important topic that the mainstream media and maybe traditional medicine is not putting enough emphasis on. We're currently in a very immune vulnerable place and also a metabolic health epidemic. I'm curious just to start off, what do you believe is at the root of this and how do we start going down maybe the less than optimal path. 
Oh, what a perfect place to start. Because this is kind of the story of my journey from clinical medicine, where I started, to um, my current ambitions, which are, which is a, a mission more uh, broadly focused around what you're speaking to, which is addressing this epidemic of health issues that we're seeing. So my, my background is as a pediatric neurologist. I, I ran a, a really busy practice for kids here in New York. I, I was at Columbia and then at Mount Sinai. And kids today are really the, uh, the canary in the coal mine for um, what's happening more broadly. Around 54% of kids have a chronic disease diagnosis today, 54%. In the 1960s, it was 1.6%. So our genes didn't suddenly mutate in a generation. These, these are diseases that are being driven by a modern environment and a landscape that's really rapidly changed over the past 50, 60, 70 years. The way we eat has changed more in the past 50 years than really it did in the past 10,000 years of human evolution. In that time span, we have 90,000 new chemicals that have been introduced into public use. So we have this unprecedented modern landscape of pollutants in our air, pesticides like glyphosate in our agriculture, ultra-processed food, a host of unregulated chemicals in our bath and body and home care products. And we see this landscape now where health issues are skyrocketing. So I like to say that we're kind of just maladapted to thrive in the modern environment. There's nothing inherently wrong with anything that's going on. It's just that this is not the history of human existence and how our genes were were designed to thrive. And if you think about um, the, the history of human, uh, human time here on earth as a football field, like for the first 99 and a half yards, we were hunter-gatherers. And so it's only the past, past few inches actually that the industrial revolution occurred and we had all of these changes happen. So it's like too much too quickly. And now we have an epidemic, certainly in adults, but a, a booming epidemic in children of chronic health issues that are striking at earlier and earlier ages. So I saw this um, in my clinical practice, and, and that's really what galvanized me to leave and start looking for a solution. And there are things we can add, and there are things we can subtract, and everybody's doing the best they can with the things in their control. I'm sure your listeners are more than aware of the importance of trying to eat clean and, and look for organic produce and, and, and buy clean, you know, bath and body products. But there's really, there's only so much you could do. And so I started researching a food called colostrum. Um, and that's really when everything came together for me. And for those, those of you listeners who don't know what it is, colostrum is the first milk that all mammals produce for like 48 to 72 hours after delivery. It's, it's kind of like a food, but it acts more like an immunization shot for the baby. It's also known as liquid gold. And it evolved in mammals 300 million years ago as this native rich source of over 200 functional bioactive nutrients with vitamins and trace minerals and growth factors and peptides and antibodies and, and, and all of these compounds that work synergistically in the body, like a blueprint almost to inform development of all the different organ systems. And so there are very clear benefits in infancy, but then when you look at the research, there's 5,000 research publications showing how it confers health benefits at all stages of life. And colostrum from cows, a dairy product produced before, you know, mature milk, has been used by ancient cultures dating back to Ayurvedic medicine for thousands of years. It's used before we had antibiotics. It was the, the raw ingredient that um, Sabin used to develop the first polio vaccine and has all these benefits for health and for the immune system, but also for the gut and for brain health and metabolic function and mental clarity and fitness performance. And I'm going to put a pin in this because I think we'll circle back to colostrum a little bit later, but all of this kind of begs the question, it, at least it did for me, which is like, how on earth is this one thing 
conferring all of these different benefits throughout the body. And what I came to learn in doing a deep dive here is because at the core, what colostrum is addressing is what I call this like foundational pathway in the body. It was my introduction to what I think of as the unsung hero of the body called the mucosal barriers and how this is kind of the root of whole body wellness. This is the thing that's being really traumatized by the modern environment. It's something I'm really passionate about increasing awareness around. And I think it could be at the crux, an intervention to focus on that, that could have very far-reaching benefits for the, the modern challenges that we're seeing across all, all the age groups. Well, we certainly love anything that is going to help multiple areas of the body, right? Not just taking one thing that's very targeted. And I love that it's called liquid gold. I have never, I never heard that before. Yeah, yeah. Um, it makes sense. It makes sense. Gosh, you just said so many amazing things. And I have to say, you really explained what's going on in our environment so well. I think a lot of people look at people like us that are biohacking and they're like, why do you take all those supplements and do all yeah. that? You know, and it's like, because we're living in a world that is so different than it was, you know, a thousand years ago, 10,000 years ago, et cetera. Let's start with mucosal barriers. I think this is something probably super new to our listeners. I mean, we talk a lot about gut health, you know, health begins in the gut. I think our listeners have heard that before. What are mucosal barriers? Where are they? What are they doing? Let's start there. <sighs> Great questions. I, I think the terminology is a little bit new, but intuitively, I think we all have some understanding of, of what we're talking about. It's, it's kind of these barriers on the inside of the body. And we, we have these mucosal barriers that line every single orifice uh, on, on the inside of our body. So just like we have skin as this physical barrier that separates us from the outside world, from the outside, we have the same thing on the inside. It lines our eyes, nose, sinuses, mouth, throat, esophagus, gut, urinary reproductive tract. It's, it's a barrier on the inside of the body. So it's literally the interface between our bloodstream and everything we inhale and ingest from the outside world has to come in contact with one of these barrier surfaces before it gets into the body. So it makes sense that this is where 80% of our immune system lives. It's like patrolling the gates, you know, checking out what, what could come in. Is it dangerous or is it not? So these barrier surfaces, particularly in the gut, um, have a very important role because they have to be permeable enough to allow us to absorb nutrients from the food that we take in and the drinks we take in and in the lungs to, to let in oxygen and nutrients from the air. But they also have to be a tight enough seal to keep out dangerous things. And so this healthy equilibrium is really essential for optimal functioning. It's got to be in, in balance. Unfortunately, these exposures that I was just speaking to, the pollutants, the pesticides, particularly glyphosate, this ultra-processed food, refined carbohydrates, alcohol, medications, whether they be over-the-counter or prescription, even stress hormones, uh, the, the, the chemicals in our, in our bath and body, body products, a lot of the damage that they cause is actually at these mucosal barriers. They, they disrupt the junctions between those cells and make them more permeable than they're supposed to be. And this is colloquially has been known as, as leaky gut in some more you know, integrative or functional medicine circles. And, and that, that terminology has gotten a, a bad rap. And I, I think there, there's a, a lot of uh, miscommunication around it. This is mainstream now. There are over a thousand research publications just in the past 30 years linking the health of these mucosal barriers to almost every, every organ system in the body and almost every modern chronic disease that we see when we talk about dysfunction of these barriers. So this is, this is, not, a, this is not like a, a woo-woo topic. This is, this is grounded in, in very credible, solid, mainstream research that just hasn't quite made its way to the mainstream. But you have damage to these barriers from all of these you know, modern exposures, 
And then what's happening is now you have things that are supposed to be kept out of the body leaking inside. And what that does fundamentally is either makes you sick when these things are bacteria or viruses or molds that directly cause infectious illness, or these are things that the body recognizes as foreign and they're getting immediately into the bloodstream and triggering the immune system inappropriately. So you have inappropriate activation of the immune system that's trying to protect the body from this now foreign thing that shouldn't have gotten in in the first place because the barrier was supposed to keep it out. And so you have this chronic activation of the immune system, which in its fulminant form, we are now seeing an absolute surge in autoimmune conditions. And those are the things that people are very aware of relating to, you know, auto, autoimmunity, whether it be um, MS or lupus or, or some of these other diseases. But also there's a lot of um, kind of low-grade conditions that are now more and more being recognized as autoimmune-driven. And we're seeing allergies on the rise. We're seeing eczema. We're seeing all of these diseases that are related to this um, autoimmune pathology. And in its low-grade form, you have chronic, low-level inflammation in the body. And then you start to see things that are very mainstream for people to be complaining about. Mental fog, fatigue, digestive issues, bloating, food intolerances, obesity, weight gain. I mean, these are the, the list goes on. And so this is, this is not just an issue for people who have like full-blown autoimmune diagnosis. This is like the low-level stuff that's making all of us just performing less optimally in our day-to-day lives. It's this chronic everyday exposure that's, you know, giving us a drain on our on our on our health and our resources that's really impacting like how we how we're able to show up every day. And so I think that's a really important thing to address too. And it comes back to largely to the health of these barriers. I'm curious about the barriers. Are different pollutants kind of destroying different barriers in the body? Like is glyphosate more in the GI tract, pollution more for the lungs, or is it really like damaging everything in the body? That's a great question. It, it really is everything. And I, I won't, the, the skin is on the outside of the body, but it's a barrier too. Um, and so it too is is under assault. And, and you know that, you know how people um, complain of skin issues and skin skin issues directly have to do with the skin barrier and also have to do with things getting into the body more more broadly through the gut or the lungs and then triggering inflammation that shows up in the skin. But what's interesting about the barrier is it's got a lot of parts to it. It's got four parts to it actually that are interesting. Four four main main aspects of it. So there's the physical barrier, which is those cells. Like the cells that are supposed to be linked up together and they're making decisions about what to let in and what to, what to keep out. And so pesticides, in particular glyphosate and gluten as well, uh, are very well known to disrupt that particular aspect of the barrier. So they disrupt the, the proteins that are supposed to be the junction between those cells. So they break down that protein and then the cells aren't tightly packed anymore and, and they have space in between them. Um, so that's something that that we have a lot of data around for for particular um, compounds like gluten and and glyphosate. So that's one layer of the barrier. The next layer of the barrier is something that everybody's heard of. It's the microbiome. It's this healthy population of microorganisms that live along these mucosal barrier surfaces. We we focus a lot on the ones in the gut, but they're everywhere. We have a microbiome in our mouth. We have it in our lungs. We have it in our sinuses. We have these microorganisms everywhere as part of our army (laughs) patrolling these surfaces. And these microorganisms have a very important role. They help us metabolize food. They produce hormones and signaling molecules and even neurotransmitters like serotonin and GABA, which, which impact brain health. And so they're, they're part of this communication pathway throughout the rest of the body. And a lot of attention is paid to the microbiome, but nobody's really talking about the other layers of the barrier, which are just, just as important. So this microbiome doesn't live in isolation. It lives as part of this ecosystem here. And you have the cells, you have the microbiome, you have a mucus layer. So mucus layer, that's like the scaffolding. That's the stuff that the microbiome is living in 
on the gut. And it's supposed to be this really thick layer of mucus. And it's supposed to feed the microbiome. So the microbiome is like feeding, feeding and living in this, in this matrix of, of mucus. And that mucus is kind of sticky. And so that's part of our defense. It's like, it's an actual chemical barrier that's keeping things out because stuff just can't pass through it very readily. But you, we have these fiber-depleted diets, which are not just depriving our microorganisms of the prebiotic food that they need to thrive, but it's also, it also means that our mucus layer is really thin. So we don't have, a, we don't have as, as thick of a layer of protection as we need. So that's the third layer. And then the last layer um, is the, the ecosystem of immune cells that live at these mucosal barrier surfaces. So we have, we have antibodies like IgG, IgA or secretory immunoglobulin A, SIG-A, that's the most predominant kind of immunoglobulin or antibody that lives at the mucosal barrier surfaces. It's really prevalent there. And these, these uh, exist along with immune cells and they, they kind of patrol the surface and they're looking for foreign stuff. They're looking, they're sampling these dendritic cells, they're sampling things that are coming into the gut, coming into the lungs. They're, they're looking at them, examining them. Is this familiar? Is this unfamiliar? What should I do about it? There's all this communication happening. It's like an orchestra. It's an orchestra happening all the time at these mucosal barrier surfaces. It's a living, dynamic ecosystem. And the, micro, the microorganisms, that microbiome, is, is just one piece of it. But it's important to think about all of the layers because they're all essential in keeping that mucosal barrier healthy. So complex. I love it. I love that you talked about the mucus because I think we've taught that germs are gross and mucus is gross. And, you know, we just see that mucus that comes out of our nose or our throats, but there's so much mucus throughout the body that really yeah. is protecting us just like the mucus when we have a cold exactly. and the, the army analogy, which is also just my favorite, like imagining we have this army inside of us that is like standing tightly together and protecting us and not letting the, the crap in. I'm curious uh, about the connection with colostrum and then all of these invaders, something like LPS, like a gram negative bacteria that's just wreaking havoc. And I know there's some research showing that that is potentially one of the biggest predictors of metabolic dysfunction. How does colostrum come in and fight against that, stand up to it, get rid of it? What is it doing? Great question. Yeah, the the LPS issue is interesting because we, we all have harmful bacteria as part of our microbiome, but they don't cause harm because the balance is what's essential here. We have more of the healthy, or we should have more of the healthy bacteria in there. And so it keeps the the bad guys in check. So it's when the balance is askew that we run into problems, but we all have Mm -hmm. some some harmful, harmful bacteria living along these surfaces. And LPS is one of these bacterial toxins. Now it shouldn't cause a problem, but if you have a permeable mucosal barrier, that LPS gets reabsorbed into your bloodstream and it travels through portal circulation to your liver. And this is now being recognized more and more as an underlying pathway to fatty liver disease, obesity, and metabolic dysfunction. Um, and again, now we can we can we have the data to be able to trace it back to the health of the, these mucosal barrier surfaces. So, I'm glad you mentioned liver because I think so many people when they hear that they need liver support, they're like, "But I don't drink that much." I'm like, yeah. "Do you know how much yeah. goes to your liver?" <laughs> um, it plays a big role. Our main it's very busy. Very busy. Very busy. busy. Especially in today's Very busy these days. (laughs) So what is the colostrum doing in response or I guess in relationship with the bacteria or the SIGA, the other immunoglobulins? Yeah. So here's, here's where it got interesting for me when I, where I stumbled into the research. So gosh, mother nature is just incredible. So colostrum evolved with this composition of, of material that one of the ways that they work most synergistically is they actually specifically seal, rebuild, and protect these mucosal barrier surfaces. Cool. Unbelievable. Wow. So, so when babies are born, they have immature mucosal barrier surfaces. And that's why they're so vulnerable early in life. And that's why early milk, the colostrum, is so important. And breast milk is so important for infants because it protects them during this most vulnerable period. Uh, by sealing up those barriers. And we know that infants who don't get any breast milk or colostrum have a higher risk of developing immune regulating disorders later in life, including food allergies, asthma, eczema. Again, because 
you know, potentially these immature barriers are allowing particles in very early in life when the immune system is most formative and triggering this uh, inappropriate activation. So, so this colostrum evolved specifically to protect infants early in life by sealing up these barriers. And now here we are later in life in a modern era where we have kind of the same issue. Our barriers aren't immature, they're just damaged. But colostrum plays the same role as a supplement. And it has this, uh, this composition of ingredients that specifically address all four layers I just talked about of the mucosal barrier surfaces. So it's got these growth factors and peptides, regenerative factors that specifically rebuild those cells, rebuilds, right? We're gonna go back to this, uh, this army analogy, but I'm gonna use a castle. It falls apart eventually, but, but I like it for now. So, so it builds up the castle wall, okay, to protect us. And then it's also got in it sialic acid and prebiotics, actually the most complete form of prebiotics called milk oligosaccharides. And these replenish the mucus layer. So you get a nice thick mucus layer. And these milk oligosaccharides, which is the most complete form of prebiotic, they pre this is a food source, the kind of prebiotic only found in colostrum that preferentially feeds bifidobacteria. It preferentially feeds the healthy bacteria in the gut, not the pathogenic bacteria in the gut. And so now you're, you have this part of colostrum that's actually helping to fortify and, and build up that, that, that army of, of bacteria, of healthy bacteria. And then you have actually antibodies. You're, 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 flooding, you're flooding these mucosal barrier surfaces with antibodies, um, with secretory immunoglobulin A, with IgG, um, with IgM, but, but, but the, these important um, antibodies, IgG and IgA, particularly at these mucosal barrier surfaces, you're, you're replenishing them with colostrum. So you have this natural superfood that's basically giving, giving your body all of the, all of the raw ingredients to, to rebuild all layers of that mucosal and repair all layers of that mucosal barrier. That's incredible. Hey, biohackers, a brief interruption to talk to you about the incredible benefits of red light therapy. You may have noticed that Renee and I post a lot of photos and videos that are overwhelmingly red in the background. That is because we are true believers in the healing powers of the visible light spectrum, and usually that is red light. But there are so many colors that we can benefit from. Simply standing in front of light can activate your body's many systems to work more optimally for better overall health. Light therapy, also called photobiomodulation, is beneficial to metabolism. It can help with healthy weight maintenance. Researchers actually believe that light therapy affects cells that store fat by reducing specific proteins associated with glucose intolerance, insulin resistance, and high triglyceride levels. It's excellent for pain reduction and supporting the inflammatory process and often associated poor circulation. There are certain light waves that can reverse the effects of aging on our skin, as well as heal and repair other areas of our body, such as our brain, our muscles, our gut, even wounds and injuries. I have personally found that healing from challenging workouts or even acute injuries from performing is much faster and much more efficient with red light. Light therapy is truly helpful for so many conditions ranging from weekend warriors with back tightness to those suffering from autoimmune diseases or those suffering from depression. The benefits really are endless. We had owner and founder of Lightpath LED, Scott Kennedy, on the Biohacker Babes podcast. And my biggest takeaway from that interview, he said, light therapy only does one thing, but it does it very, very well. It focuses on the cells, the mitochondria, and helps the cells to create more energy that our body needs to thrive every day. Essentially, we're kickstarting the process of healing. Everything's going to work better with this light exposure. Renee and I have found tremendous benefit in our daily lives and in our quest for energy optimization. So we feel very passionate about sharing this amazing device with you. If you want to learn more, check out our interview with Scott in season two, episode 66, and then head over to Lightpath LED to take advantage of our 10% off discount with code biohackerbabes. Again, that's lightpathled.com. The code is biohackerbabes that will save you 10%. He has so many amazing devices. My personal favorite and the one I'm currently using is the red plus near infrared tabletop device. 
The best part, Scott, is his own best customer service. When you purchase a device, he is going to call you personally and explain everything that you need to know from setup all the way to finish to make sure that you are having the best experience possible. We hope that you can bring red light into your home as well and experience these amazing benefits. And you too can light up your home with red light. <laughs> Let's get back to the show. A quick question about the prebiotics. Someone that has small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, is there any concern in taking this because of the prebiotics or is it actually beneficial for someone with SIBO? You know, it depends. You know, the, the right protocol for SIBO is first to try to starve those um, bacteria that live in the small intestine. And so I probably would, I know many people who use colostrum who suffer from SIBO and have dramatic improvement, but I would tread with caution in this regard because okay. in SIBO, it's not necessarily just the pathogenic bacteria that have migrated up there. It's sometimes the healthy bacteria too. Um, and so this is something that could be helpful could also worsen symptoms. I think it's person-specific, but could be tested on an individual basis. I wouldn't make a, I wouldn't make a broad um, recommendation around it in that particular situation. Gotcha. Thank you for answering that. I have a related question. If someone has, I guess, an elevated immune response, say like their SIGA is elevated because of a food allergy response or a GI infection, is there any concern to supplementing with colostrum? With if that is already high? No. Um, in fact, it's probably beneficial. And I think this is one of the things that distinguishes, for me, a product like colostrum, which is rich in the prebiotics, versus what, a, what I see a lot of um, practitioners push, which is a probiotic option. So pro probiotics have a lot of, should, should come with, with a lot of, with a flag of caution. Mm -hmm. Particularly for anybody who has an immune act, an autoimmune issue, an, an active immune system to what you're speaking, um, even a, even a, a, an issue like an inflammatory bowel disorder where you have a lot of that uh, activation of antibodies around the the GI mucosal membranes, because probiotics themselves, as an industry, not well regulated. We don't know actually what a lot of these strains do. We also know what these strains do in isolation but we don't necessarily know how they interact with the existing microbiome in the body. There is plenty of research around gene exchange that incurs, that can occur when you put a live organism, a live uh, probiotic into the gut. It, it can engage in gene transfer with the existing bacteria that are in your gut. Some of these probiotics can actually make people feel worse. They can trigger immune activation within the gut. And so there's a lot of caution around probiotics. They're living organisms and they, they interact in a, in a living way with, with your body, with your, with your own biology. Prebiotics, not so much. <laughs> Prebiotics are, are safe. Prebiotics are very safe. And particularly when you're talking about milk oligosaccharides from colostrum, you are preferentially feeding and shifting that ratio over to the healthy population of bacteria. So they, they can be recommended on a, on a much broader basis and have a much safe, safer risk profile. Mm. And is yeah. there any order in, I guess, healing uh, an issue that's going on, like a pathogen or dysbiosis? Like, do we need to, uh, we obviously need to remove the invader, the antigen, yeah. but with colostrum, do we need to follow a protocol or can we just jump right to rebuilding the biome with colostrum? You can jump right to it. You can jump right to it. And colostrum is actually being, being researched now. Some of the, some of the compounds in colostrum are being research for these very purposes. The, the immunoglobulins, so the IgG, uh, are used in many protocols already for inflammatory bowel disorders like, uh, like Crohn's and, um, and ulcerative colitis, just giving those antibodies um, to help bind those toxins that are causing the immune activation to clear them from the system. But you do that much more holistically with colostrum because if you take it as a whole superfood, you're getting the benefit of all of those, all of those additional uh, nutrients that that it works with this part of this like synergistic matrix to address all of the components that are disordered um, in those conditions. Well, I mean, anytime you can get something from nature, it just makes so much more sense to me. Yeah, you you know the ready to go. There's certainly um, in in more 
the mainstream medicine, the, the, the focus is on, on isolating and, and using singular compounds. And, and obviously that allows for different kinds of uh, IP protection and, and, and in different ways that pharma- this is the way that pharmaceutical industry operates. But, you know, compounds don't exist in isolation. They exist as part of a matrix. And so you really reap the full benefits. And we don't understand all of the ways that the matrix works together. And so at a certain point, you have to tr- trust the anti-fragility of nature, where if something's <laughs> been around for thousands and thousands of years and, and honed over that time, um, that there, there's a wisdom there that we can't over-engineer. And you just have to trust that it's, that it's working the way that uh, it evolved in, uh, in some kind of harmony with, with physiology to do. Yeah. Survival yeah. of the species. Still here. Yep. So as far as sourcing, it's a, a bovine source and any, uh, for anyone that doesn't want to consume an animal product, I don't think we have many of those <laughs> listeners or anyone that potentially is allergic to, to dairy, to like any of the caseins or proteins, what are the considerations there? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, you know, there's, I think there's a, there's a broader just point that I, that I love to make around dairy relating to this, which is that, you know, it's striking when you actually think about what dairy is, um, to think about how, how much quote unquote allergy and intolerance there is to dairy nowadays. So dairy is one of the only substances on the planet that exists solely to be a food. That's it. It's not something we repurposed. It's not something that it's not a, it's not a plant or a root or something that we decided to, to consume, but it exists as something else. It, its only purpose is to be consumed for its health benefits. So it would be shocking that after you know, millions of years of this, that it would actually be something that, that could cause so many problems in the body. It doesn't make sense. And so we have to take a step back and think about what's actu- what, the, what the situation actually is. And dairy in its raw form has all of these uh, properties that I mentioned with colostrum, just in more dilute form. It's all of these like healing, uh, nourishing compounds in it that are essential for um, development of, of the body, a blueprint for all of these organs, healthy development. Um, it's the most nourishing substance on the planet. And these are these are these are these are this is a living food. It has active enzymes in it. It has probiotics in it. That, that's what milk is in its raw form. And when milk went into industrial use and became commercialized for mass market, we now take milk and submit it to pasteurization and sterilization. So what does that do? That means that we expose this milk to very high heat and sterilize it. Now, heat denatures proteins. What that means is the way proteins have uh, active effects in the body is they have a very specific shape. And that very specific shape fits a very specific receptor and it activates a very specific pathway. So they, they're active because they have a very sh- specific shape that the body recognizes. Now, when you expose a protein to heat, it denatures. That means it unfolds. So it doesn't have the same shape anymore. And so when it goes into the body, the body doesn't recognize it. And it thinks it's a foreign threat and it activates an immune response to it. And so a lot of the modern dairy intolerance that we see is not the dairy itself. It's a consequence of the processing that we've done to the dairy, which now makes it unrecognizable as a food to the body and triggers a lot of issues in people. And so that is a modern problem that we have with dairy. If you, most people who don't tolerate conventional dairy, tolerate raw dairy, just fine. In fact, raw dairy is highly anti-inflammatory. Raw dairy is actually a treatment for allergies. Just, just like colostrum has these benefits for allergy, raw milk has the same, does the same thing. And there are many studies looking at the, the benefits of raw dairy. Kids who live on farms and such have much lower risk um, of developing allergies and asthma by consuming raw milk um, than do kids who drink conventional dairy. So so th- that's just a word on dairy. Now, granted, that's just one reason why people avoid dairy. There are many personal reasons why people avoid dairy, but but as it relates to, is dairy a, a problematic 
food? Is it an unhealthy food? No. By its very nature, it is the most nourishing food on the planet. It's the adulteration that we've done to dairy uh, in the modern era that has, that has made it into a problematic ingredient. So what I, what I do now is I, I have a company that, um, that leverages the colostrum for its bioactives. And so you can utilize low heat technology, extraction technology, so that you can retain all of these peptides in their raw form. And so colostrum uh, manufactured this way has the same properties as raw milk. It's bioavailable and natural and not denatured and is a match for the body. I love that. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's just so interesting to me that everyone is drinking oat milk and almond milk, which is specifically really wasteful with water. And it's crazy. I used to drink raw milk when I was, um, I was performing in Mamma Mia on Broadway and I would order raw milk from a dairy farm in New Jersey. And I guess it was illegal. So I had to do that, like this backhanded, I called them, they would deliver it to the stage door and this like really, uh, it discreet, like blue bag. It was almost like I was getting alcohol delivered, but way worse. Oh I was like, I might use oh. the same farm as I might be getting my raw milk from the same farm as you. We, we should, we should chat yeah, about this. We yeah. should, but I loved it. And we would pass it around the dressing rooms. Like everyone take a sip, take a sip. And yeah. I felt amazing. It's a shame that you can't get it more easily, but really good to know that yeah. colostrum is doing the same thing. Yeah, the, raw milk's really uh, tremendous. And if, if for those of your listeners who've never had it, it's remarkable how different it tastes from yeah. milk that you buy in the supermarket. It's yeah. night and day. It's night and day. Once it's you delicious. buy raw milk, it's so just, it's just like this rich, luxurious, creamy product. And you, you realize how sterile uh, conventional dairy tastes after, after yeah. trying it. I'm a huge raw milk for a fan. I, I, I love uh, raw goat kefir. Yeah, d- definitely. Uh, that, is, that is a big part of, uh, part of my diet. Yeah. Awesome. I will say the farm I was getting my raw milk from, I also got butter from them and Ooh. I will never forget the first time I got it. It was like bright orange, like this rich <laughs> what happened to my color, <laughs> <laughs> like not like the dead white yeah. looking butter you see in the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> just, it's different, which is great. Uh, huge fan. Yeah. So for someone that is taking colostrum, maybe they have gut issues, don't have gut issues. How long do does it typically take for people to see changes? Um, that, it's a great question. It really varies from person to person. So, so in general, the, the gut barrier, it replaces itself entirely every two and a half weeks. So you have an entirely different gut barrier by wow. every, 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 every two and a half weeks. That said, the benefits uh, relating to some of the immune activation, like people with, al- say, allergies or eczema or, or even um, immediate digestive complaints like, like bloating, you'll often hear feedback that after a cu- two, three days of, of using colostrum, they notice a meaningful, a meaningful change. So the results can happen wow. very quickly. But really daily consistent use for at least a month four to six weeks is like the, your full push to really see what the benefits could be like of getting all of those, those nutrients in, it, in their activated form from colostrum. And if SIGA is really low, would you recommend doubling up? Is there, you know, yeah, should we go above and beyond to get even more? Yeah, there's no such thing as too much colostrum. It has, again, a long history of use and safety. It is, unless you have a uh, an allergy to dairy. There are no side effects. It doesn't interact with medicine. It it's very safe for infants. For think about it, it's a natural food for for infants. A lot of uh, people um, who use it for fitness benefits take mega 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 high doses of it. So you can really titrate up as much as you need, um, and as and, and as often as you want. Oh, great! I don't know if either of you remember there was a documentary on Netflix. I can't even keep them straight. There's so many health documentaries on Netflix now. Oh, I, <laughs> I think some of them are doing a disservice to our industry, but they were talking about uh, fitness enthusiasts drinking colostrum and they were like delivering mm. these big jugs of it to the gym. And they really were kind of painting it in a really bad picture. Like, look at these crazy dudes. Yeah. It's like meatheads drinking their colostrum. <laughs> I think oh I know gosh. which documentary that was. 
Yeah. I don't remember the name, but I, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think they were trying to It's not that. (laughs) And I think we've already heard that to our audience today. Yeah. I mean, for the, for the fitness piece, the, the strengthening the barrier is, is really important because, you know, strenuous exercise certainly somewhat uh, makes you immune compromised and you're more likely to get sick during, you know, rigorous training and such. But also colostrum is the, the only, actually the only natural source of certain growth factors, including, um, insulin-like growth, growth factor, IG, IGF-1. And that is a particular growth factor that promotes lean muscle building and using burning fat for fuel. So it's a really kind of particular metabolic activation that then in colostrum, then you, you kind of get that signaling molecule from the growth factor. And then you have those peptides and such uh, to provide the raw ingredients to actually do this rebuilding. And then if you have enough protein in your diet, you can really start putting on lean muscle mass and improving uh, endurance and tissue recovery and repair. It's got all these regenerative properties. So there's a lot of like poignant benefits for the fitness crowd um, in that regard. Yeah. Sounds yeah, like everyone great. needs it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, so just looking back at like ancestral, from an ancestral perspective. So we were being fed this colostrum from breast milk, and then we were consuming raw dairy for most of our lives. And that's how we were getting it. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the continuation of, of drinking milk beyond the natal period, beyond infancy is a, is a more, is a relatively modern phenomenon that was really, um, you know, once we domesticated cows, then we started having raw milk. So that's newer from our, you know, ancestral path. We didn't pass, we didn't have domesticated cows. I, I don't, know if there's, you know, much evidence that we, that we were drinking milk from other animals at that, at that time, but certainly that was any dairy we were, we were consuming was raw until very, 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 very recently. Mm. Okay. Makes sense. So you've created this amazing company, Armra, that puts colostrum into packets, which I am so thankful for. It's much easier than getting my back alley raw dairy. I could take my (laughs) colostrum anywhere. I can take it traveling. I could just like put it in my bag. I love it. What else do we need to know about Armra? Uh, well, we, I am a huge uh, champion of colostrum because I just see it as it's such an accessible tool for anybody to be able to really level up their health and address this kind of underlying foundational pathway in the body that that really translates to meaningful transformational benefits that you feel um, because it's, it's just, uh, it's such a, a, a fundamental pathway for the rest of your health. We actually just came out today with a scoopable jar, which I think is going to be um, a lot more convenient for people to use in addition to the, the sachet packets. But I'm a huge champion of colostrum, and I, I think it's a really accessible um, option for anybody to be able to use and really feel meaningful benefits what I did in starting this, this company and, and researching so much around colostrum was really trying to focus on how we could develop the, 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 the product that would be the best match for human health. And that includes both the innovation aspect of how we distill it using this low heat technology that can retain all of the nutrients in their bioavailable form so that everything um, all of the peptides retain their efficacy, and we don't use the heat that destroys the 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 healthful properties of any of these ingredients. So it's really like a match for for the raw starting uh, ingredient. Um, and then we we've also developed it to be a better match specifically for human physiology because we took out some of the compounds that aren't necessary for health. We took out fat, we took out casein. Casein is the protein actually that most people have a reaction to when they don't tolerate dairy. So it's it's more broadly accessible, more potent, more really focused and targeted on that, on human physiology. And so that's uh, that's the work that we've done. And then we've amplified the, the mucosal barrier aspects like that uh, immunoglobulin A, I mentioned, which typically is in lower concentrations. Cow colostrum is in much higher concentrations in our product. Well, we appreciate all that you're doing with that. We love the product and the extra steps that you take to make sure it's the best quality. We really appreciate that. I'm um, so glad. One more question about the product to wrap it up. Is there a best time of day to take it with or without food, mix it in water? 
Any recommendations there? Great question. Um, so it's, it's, as I mentioned, really important for daily use that barrier is constantly regenerating. We are exposed to these environmental threats every day on, on some level. So maintaining the integrity of that barrier is really important. So consistent use is important. Mostly recommend to at least take a dose in the morning with any kind of liquid, your, your water, your shake, whatever you're drinking. But most of our customers actually take it multiple times a day. So they'll level up with a work, they'll take another dose with a workout. Again, I mentioned with these growth factors, it can be really, really useful at the time of physical exercise to start informing the metabolic pathway that's going to help you get the most bang for your buck with a workout. So taking more, more than one dose a day is certainly acceptable. But for my, for my users who have specific concerns related to the mucosal membranes of their mouth or esophagus, so for reflux or for oral ulcers, things like that, I, I usually say to just pour the colostrum directly into your mouth, if anything, with a small gulp of water and really maximize the contact, the contact between those, the colostrum uh, bioactives and those membranes. So you want to keep it like as, as non-diluted as possible and really, really roll around. It gets kind of sticky in your mouth. It gets kind of stuck in places. And that's a good thing. It's like just maximizing contact with those membranes and helping to uh, regenerate them and, and protect them. I love that. So colostrum candy. I've yeah. noticed if it doesn't fully mix in my water, it does, it gets that sticky. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll yeah. just chew on that. <laughs> yeah. So that's Dr. Rahal. good stuff. <laughs> yeah, the good stuff. Thank you so much for sharing so much information about colostrum. Before we let you go, we'd love to ask for one piece of advice, something that our listeners can start working on today to improve their health, longevity, immune function, any of the above, or just any wisdom you want to impart. Oh, what a, what a thoughtful question. You know, I, I would just offer a frame shift from, I think, what has been such a bombardment of, of messaging, particularly over this past year and a half um, of di- disempowerment. You have so much agency, so much agency to dictate your own health. And it's the, the small choices that you're able to implement each and every day that can have really transformational benefits for yourself for the, for the long run. So just uh, keep going and keep focusing on the things that you can address because they matter. Love that and could not agree anymore. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks to everyone that tuned in today. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.